Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Got the Bracketology Roundtable here tonight. Got Ross Martin, Sherelle McMillan, and I'm going to start with Greg Barnes. Greg, overall impressions of the bracket as a whole. And of course, we'll dig down deeper into Carolina's side of it soon enough. Well, I think what stands out to me, and I think probably what stands out to a lot of people, is that the top three seeds in this tournament are all ACC schools. Um, And I know a lot of people were not pulling for Duke to win the ACC tournament, but I really think that set things in motion to kind of cement North Carolina where they were. Um, And I think the fact that uh, North Carolina won 15 of their last 17 games, those two losses were to Virginia, who was a number one seed, and Duke, who was a number one seed, kind of confirmed – uh, that that North Carolina is you know one of those top teams, and so while you can look at the net ranking and say, well, North Carolina was only number seven, uh, when you kind of dive down and look at who they've played, their willingness to play teams—that's a big part of it. You've got to be willing to play teams in the non-conference schedule. Roy Williams has always done that. Uh, NC State clearly uh, has not, and so they get left out. And I think that emphasis on a non-conference schedule and then to play the way that UNC did. Uh, during the regular season, and even in Charlotte this past week, kind of put them in that position as a, as a number one uh, seed. You look at their bracket, um, You know, I think what stands out to a lot of people is if the seeding holds, if it goes chalk, North Carolina is going to have to play Kansas and Kansas City. Uh, you know, we can talk about the history there, but um, I'm not sure Kansas will get that far, but that's that's another topic. But that doesn't seem like a, a very fair setup by the committee, but you know, so it goes. And then, you know, Kentucky, it seems destined that North Carolina and Kentucky are going to play as many times as possible in the NCAA tournament. And I think Houston's a little bit undervalued. I think that's a very good team. And so there's some very tough games um, you, uh, that North Carolina could potentially have to play. And then, of course, when you talk about Virginia Duke, uh, you know, for North Carolina, if the one seeds hold, they'd have to play Virginia in the Final Four. And then that Duke game that we keep talking about would be for the national championship. Yeah, I, I've, I came around after Carolina's loss in the semis. Um, I'd like to see it again for some sick reason, I guess. Uh, but, Sherelle, I'll, I'll come to you. And, you know, we won't um, dig any further into – uh, Greg's state reference. If if you're listening to the show and you haven't seen it, there, the ACC's favorite AD is put out a press release on their non non inclusion. Pretty interesting reading if you're so inclined. But Sherelle, looking at the bracket, I thought Carolina would get Kentucky in Louisville or Kansas and Kansas City. They got Kansas and Kansas City, and like Greg said, Houston's going to be a tough three. But your thoughts? you know, specifically on the bracket as a whole. It seems like, um, you know, to get the number one seed, they had to lose something. And lo- that what they lost was uh, Jacksonville and Columbia. Um, I thought that maybe Virginia would, or Duke, being the number one overall seed, would opt to play uh, away from uh, Columbia. But I guess with the way it worked out and Carolina being the three and Virginia, you know, wanting to go <clears throat> to Columbia, it 
sent North Carolina to Columbus and Kentucky and Tennessee, I think, got rewarded as twos and are going to play or Kentucky, excuse me, got rewarded as a two and got to play in Jacksonville. So North Carolina traded some things to get the number one seed. I think overall, um, in the grand scheme of things for North Carolina, it's really important. But I didn't really have an issue with the three ACC schools being the top three seeds in the tournament. I think they've earned it. I think it's the best conference and it's proved it over the last few months. And then, you know, I want to go back to last August, I guess it was when the schedule came out. Because we all were sitting here like, man, what is Roy Williams thinking? Because this is a, a murderous row. You know, there was a chance they were going to have to play Michigan State, too. Um, so they would have played pretty much the entire top 10 in, in like every measurement, every metric, every ranking and everything. So it, it proved to be really beneficial for North Carolina to have that kind of non-conference schedule. Because like Greg said, that's one of the things the committee weighted, not just uh, who you played, but also who you beat. And North Carolina um, had a lot of Q1 games. They had a lot of kind of top 10 type games and you know they lost them but they won some as well and in the end I think that's why they got the number one seed yeah I think Carolina's three and two against number one seeds Duke is two and two two and, or three and three against number one seeds uh, Virginia of course beat Carolina and lost to Duke Gonzaga's out there as well Ross you know we can talk about rankings we can talk about how they pick them but the bottom line is uh, you got to play and beat who's next up this NCAA tournaments never uh, never goes as planned your thoughts on the bracket yeah I mean just looking at UNC's and you look at the two seeds I think you know rightfully so Gonzaga and UNC got the the, the two tougher two seeds with Kentucky and Michigan <clears throat> I think in, in our in the minds of those who followed UNC this year those teams two teams obviously beat UNC and were tough teams in December and so um, I think UNC fans would try to avoid a Michigan team or a Kentucky team that both kind of handled UNC. Um, but there is that matchup, a potential matchup with UNC Kentucky in the Elite Eight. Um, Kansas doesn't seem as intimidating this year uh, as in previous years. There hasn't been much talk about them. Um, that Houston team, I was looking at their schedule, and they've played a lot of teams and beat a lot of teams and have some good wins on their schedule as well. Um, I think – it pencils when that when Duke's bracket came out, it's just hard to not pick Duke going to the Final Four. You know, a team like Mississippi State doesn't seem too intimidating. Virginia Tech, you know, maybe they 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 have beaten Duke before, and they're getting uh, was it Justin Robinson back, their star guard yep. back as well. Um, and so it seems they have a pretty easy path there. And yeah, and it, it was crazy seeing uh, the three ACC teams as the one, two, and three seats as well. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, has that ever happened before? I don't think at one conference has gotten that many um, seats. So you have to play the teams to get there. Um, I think UNC has a has a path to the uh, Sweet 16 where they could face you know, Auburn or Kansas. Auburn playing very well right now, beating Tennessee twice. You know, aren't, not many people are talking about that potential matchup. If Auburn were to beat Kansas and get to the Sweet 16, that's a, a well-coached Bruce Pearl Auburn team that dominated Tennessee today uh, in the SEC championship game. Um, and so I don't want to look too far ahead, but that's kind of the what I see out of UNC's side right now. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add a couple things to that. Something that, that's interesting to me, and well, I'll, I'll say this first. There has been a conference with three number one seeds before, and that was – uh, the Big East back in '09, but but never um, ACC, right? Never the ACC. So we're talking about something that really doesn't happen. Um, so it's kind of it is kind of a phenomenal thing, and with them being the top three seeds is is quite impressive. Uh, it's interesting how they split up 
kind of their rankings um, of of the top four seeds. I mean, for example, Virginia got the number one rated two seed in Tennessee. Tennessee was fifth, but yet Purdue was 12th as a three seed. So they were the worst three seed, which is an interesting dynamic. Then you look at North Carolina, you know, Kentucky's only was ranked seventh in their list, but then you got Houston who was the number one three. Um, and so a lot of people kind of wonder, you know, how, how strong each uh, bracket is and we can go as deep as you want, but just running the quick uh, averages of the top four seeds in each bracket, um, the East eight and a half, South eight and a half, West nine, and then uh, UNC's bracket, the Midwest was eight. So in terms of average ranking, uh, UNC had the hardest bracket. But again, and we're talking about uh, half of a point against East and the South, and then a full point against the West. Um, so we we can nitpick if you want. Um, and I do think North Carolina's bracket is probably a tad bit tougher. But I, I think they did a pretty good job splitting these up. Uh, Ross brings up a good point. I think, uh, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, while it doesn't seem, I don't want to say fair, because that's probably not the right way to look at it, uh, but you Carolina potentially having to play Kansas and Kansas City. I'm not sure that's how things should go. But I'm not sure Kansas will get there. Auburn's playing very well, obviously played well in the SEC tournament. Uh, and then you got a team like I think Utah State as the as the eight. A lot of people kind of overlook them because they're in the uh, the Mountain West. But man, if you look at what they've done of late, they've won 17 in the last 18. They won the Mountain West tournament. Uh, this is a team that has uh, pretty good size. And, you know, I mean, even their their guards they go six three, six five, six five, have some good size in the post, uh, and then they're very good defensively. I mean. Uh, they're your top 20 effective field goal percentage defense. Uh, they're fifth and nationally in defensive rebounding percentage, which is a good key. They're not the great greatest at defending the three, but that's one of those games where you have North Carolina uh, gets Utah state in that second round and Carolina's not knocking down threes. That's a game that could be a lot tighter than what most people think. So there are some tough games in here. And then they, of course, I think Iowa state's a pretty good team as well as a six seed. Um, so we'll have to see how things play out, but I, I think it's a, it's a tough bracket. I mean, it should be a fun bracket and should give us plenty of storylines. And I think I've become a curmudgeon as I've gotten older, just the old gritty <clears throat> man, because every year when the brackets come out, you know, the response is predictable. I think what people, again, and I think we talked about this on the podcast last year, what people have to realize is that Carolina is in a eight game, eight team tournament first. So they're in a tournament with Iona, Utah State, Washington, Auburn, New Mexico State, Kansas, and Northeastern. Win that tournament, and you get to face someone on the other side for a chance to go to the Final Four. Like, they're not going to play Houston and Kentucky and Iowa State and Ohio State. All those teams can't come out of the other side. So it it always confuses me why people get so worked up about, you know, what a bracket looks like overall. Just focus on those eight teams. And if you look at the eight teams on Carolina's side of it, I mean, it's not – to me, there's nothing particularly scary about those teams. I mean, I watched Utah State. The only time I watched them play was against Nevada, and it was a good win. Um, Auburn has played well of late, but they take so many threes. Who knows if they're going to be on? If, if they're on, yeah, it'll be really tough. If they're off, North Carolina can run away from them. You know, this is a team who lost to NC State earlier in the season. Uh, Kansas, you know, this the, people see the name Kansas, and it just freaks them out for obvious reasons. But they lost LeGerald Vic. They lost to Sosa. They lost uh, Azubuke. So they're not the same team that they were earlier in the year. So I don't know. I just I don't see anything particularly scary for North Carolina on their side of the bracket. 
before I get any deeper, let me give a shout out to our sponsor, johnnytshirt.com. They've certainly taken over the title sponsor role and run with it for this podcast, and we're glad that they're back associated with Inside Carolina. If, if you're online shopping at their website or if you're at their store on Franklin Street, you can use that code as an Inside Carolina subscriber and get that 10% off even if you don't have the code it's still great prices great merchandise like I said it's online at johnnytshirt.com or at the store on Franklin Street been there 35 years plus they're locally and alumni owned great folks if you were at the Inside Carolina signing day party they were there provided some swag for our uh, subscribers our guests there and have certainly looked after Inside Carolina. And one thing they do that I like a lot on, you know, for online ordering, especially, is the customer service is great. You know, you can go in a store, you can get great customer service, and there's certainly that. But the online customer service is just wonderful. You know, that 10% off for Inside Carolina subscribers. No reason you shouldn't visit JohnnyTShirt.com, and it's all Carolina. Anything you could possibly want with Carolina on it. They have it. They've got the new warm-up jerseys that you see Carolina players wearing. They have all the gear, all the swag that you could want as a North Carolina fan. JohnnyT-shirt.com. Inside Carolina subscribers get 10%. You know, that Utah State team as an eight it is a tough ball game. but Greg, the bottom line for North Carolina, the, the what makes getting a one so important is Carolina has not done anything in the tournament of note unless they were a number one seed. And Roy Williams, I believe, if my math is correct, and I saw a tweet and I've forgotten it, but every time he's been a one at North Carolina, it's at least an Elite Eight trip. Uh, That's psychological. That's all that stuff. But that's huge for North Carolina being that one seed. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, we're talking off the air, but North Carolina has been a two seed nine times before. Uh, dating back to last year, and they had only gotten to the final four twice. Uh, and so, you know, a two and seven streak there of reaching the final four as a number two seed is not very impressive. Uh, but then when you look at what they've done as a one seed, uh, I mean, the fact that they've won what in the last five national championships, I don't know if it comes as a one seed. So, I think, I think that really speaks to the benefit of being the one. Um, I, I am curious, I mean. Before last year, 16 had never beaten the one. And so we just automatically assumed, well, you know, obviously they get a gimme in the first game, uh, and then that second round game is not as tough. And so you pretty much have not really a double buy, but at least one buy before you really have to start you know, cranking it down. Um, and so maybe that helps. We've seen in recent years those 116 games rarely are the 40-point blowouts they used to be. And you're seeing a lot closer games all across the board. And that speaks to the parity across college basketball. Um, so maybe that advantage has shrunk some. But no doubt the fact that uh, you do get some preferred matchups. Um, and typically you get preferred locations. Uh, and you know, we can harp on the, the Kansas City deal, and I know I brought it up several times. Uh, but I still think in North Carolina going 9-0 and in ACC play on the road, I don't think really where they play is going to be much of a, an issue. I mean, it, it didn't help them last year playing in Charlotte against A&M. Um, and so I, I do think it, it helps, but maybe not as big of a help being a number one as, as maybe it was you know, 15 years ago. Ross, let's back up a little bit. And on Friday night, Carolina lost uh, a tough one to Duke. It's like, 
you know, everybody says if this would have happened, if that would have happened, if they'd have made one more basket, they win. It's pretty easy to say that on a lot of close games. But following the ball game in the locker room, how are the players, you know, not necessarily their words. I mean, those guys are good at saying what they're supposed to say and all, but the mood in that locker room after that loss to Duke, knowing that that's, you know, that for especially for Cam and Luke and Kenny, that's it for the ACC tournament. But now you got the big one coming up. Yeah, and I think uh, Gray did a good job with his article after the game, and, and I alluded to some of the similar points about how they were just kind of ready to move on. And the locker room was just certainly not as sad as some previous losses. Um, I was there for Virginia and Louisville and Texas. And, I mean, Kobe White was distraught after that Texas loss. You know, that was in November. But, you know, they were kind of like – there were some laughs. Uh, Nasir and Kobe – we were just making us wait to talk to them. And they turned around and said, oh, do you want to talk to us? Um, there was a lot of positivity. And I think the fact that they went toe-to-toe with Duke uh, until the very last second, lost by one, anyone could have won that game, I think gives a lot of confidence to this team that uh, uh, a Zion Williamson Duke team, and he was right there with the with, – uh, you know, they are one of the best teams in the country. And we're talking about, you know, intimidating – being intimidated by other teams and, and worried about Kansas and worried about – teams that UNC could face. I mean, teams have to be scared of UNC and how where, how well they're playing. I don't think a loss to Duke, if anything, I think it's a confidence builder that, you know, they make one more three and they win. So they're right there. Um, they're rolling. The conference is high. Um, 15 out of the last 17, um, you know, did lose to Duke, did lose to Virginia. Those are teams they could face if they have to go to the final, if they do go to the final four. But um, they're playing as well as any team in the country right now. They have the senior leadership. Shots are going in for guys and you make shots outside of that Duke game when they went four of 27, which was awful. But you just you don't think they shoot that bad again, uh, at least not that bad. So, um, yeah, the mood was the mood was surprisingly positive, given the intensity of that game, the chances late with with obviously having two, three, uh, two decent looks at three from Cameron Johnson and then Kobe White. And obviously, I missed three. I missed free throw by Luke May. You know the chances were there, but you know, guys spoke to us. There weren't any really short answers. They were willing to give their opinion. Um, you know, Cameron Johnson said it was a great quote. He said, "I don't have any Final Fours. I don't have any national championships. I don't have a Sweet Sixteen. I have a round thirty-two beatdown by Texas A&M." So he had he's inspired to to make it farther and make a run here. Um, I think they're set up, you know, things are, are in place to kind of to get it going. And, and Leaky Black is healthy now, and Sterling Manley can maybe give you a couple minutes as well. So things are kind of come together for you and see at the right time. Yeah, and I wanted to, to touch on my article after the game. And as Ross talks about, um, I think it kind of encompassed how the, the team was. And, and Ross's article was the same way. But a lot of people saw the, the headline as uh, you know, val- validation and defeat, and they saw it as – Oh, that's a moral victory. Well, I mean, we're talking about North Carolina here. There's no moral victories for North Carolina. Never has been. Never will be. Um, so the uh, insinuation that that's what they're talking about is kind of silly. W- really, what I meant to kind of hit with um, with that with that column is that before the game, I mean, after the first Duke game, um, after the second Duke game, national media types that I talked to. We're all like, yeah, North Carolina won, but Zion didn't play. Zion plays, you know, Carolina didn't have a chance. And that was the consistent 
thought. I mean, that wasn't just a random person here or there. This is what a lot of national media members thought. And if national media think that, that's what the committee hears. So what happened in Charlotte? Well, North Carolina should have won that game with Zion, as, as good as Zion is. I mean, he's a freak. He's great. He's going to be a, a great NBA player. But after that game, I talked to some of the same media members, and it was like, well, I, Carolina really impressed me. I, I didn't think they had a chance against Duke. They're a lot better team than I thought they were. And so I think what what you see and kind of what I was trying to get at is that you know, at a national level, people saw that game and said, okay, well, maybe they really were. You that much better than than Duke during the regular season without Zion. Maybe they really were one of the best teams over the last couple of months of the year. Um, and I think the way that the, the seeding plays out, it kind of confirms that the, the committee thought that. Um, you know, North Carolina fans, because, I mean, they're fans. That's what fans are supposed to do. They always had belief in their team. I mean, that's, that's what any good fan does. You have belief in your team. Um, but beyond Chapel Hill, beyond that, that community, a lot of people had questions about this team. And we had questions about this team on this podcast several months ago. Uh, and while there are still some areas that are concerns, those areas of concern are not significant for me anymore. Um, I mean, I think right now with Zion back, Duke probably is the best team in the country. And we saw on Friday – Carolina can certainly play with the best team in the country. I don't think that was the case last year. Um, and so I, I really think that this team is entering the tournament uh, in, a, in a good position. Um, and like Ross said, you they understand that they they wanted to win that game, no doubt about it. They wanted to win the ACC tournament. But they understand that you know, this team is, is better than last year's team. I think we can say that now. And so they have the potential to make a deep run. Now, like Kenny and Luke reiterated to their teammates, uh, yeah, good things are ahead, but you've got to win six games in a row. You've got to win them one at a time. So this is not going to be easy, but the potential is there. And the fact that North Carolina does not have to play Virginia until the Final Four, they do not have to play Duke into the championship game, I think Carolina is better than anybody in their bracket. Um, and so I think they're in good position if they play well to make it to the Final Four in Minneapolis. I didn't think that three months ago. And so that speaks to kind of how they've improved. But I, I think the fact that the way they played against Duke on Friday kind of proved that to a lot of the people outside of the UNC community. Um, that was what I was trying to get at with that, with that column. And I, I think that impressed a lot of people. I think it impressed the, the committee. And I think that's one of the reasons North Carolina's the number one seed. Greg, you were at the Kentucky game. You just said that you think UNC is the best team in their bracket. It, what was the challenge with Kentucky then to refresh our listeners? And and why do you think now they, they can beat Kentucky? Um, I don't know if you've seen them much since. Yeah, I don't know that Kentucky has gotten a lot better. Um, I mean, obviously they play a lot of freshmen, so so clearly they, uh, they, they've gotten a little bit better. I, I just think the fact that North Carolina has figured out how to, how to defend. Um, I, I think the fact that North Carolina uh, has good leadership is key. I mean, if you go back to that game uh, against Kentucky, North Carolina didn't shoot the ball uh, particularly well. Uh, Kentucky did. And uh, you had your Reed Travis was really a force down low. I think Garrison Brooks has made tremendous strides. Um, you know, Tyler Harrow's kind of emerged as a, as a stud for Kentucky and for good reason. He's played very well. Um, but 
I think if Garrison Brooks doesn't foul out Friday night, North Carolina beats Duke and probably wins the ACC tournament title. Um, and so I think his development, probably more than anything, is the difference. But I just think the team has improved. I mean, we've talked about so many times before, Roy's teams get better as the season goes along. And because Calipari plays so many freshmen, inevitably they're going to get better as the season goes along. I mean, that's, that's kind of part of the deal. Um, but I just think North Carolina has played a tougher schedule. Uh, the ACC, I think, is a good bit better than the SEC, even though I do like Kentucky. I do like Tennessee. Uh, beyond that, I'm not really impressed with any other teams. Maybe Auburn, at, you know, like Sherelle said, at, at certain days are very tough to be. Other days, they're kind of an easy out. Uh, and so I think that seasoned approach that North Carolina has taken has kind of elevated them to be much more consistent. Because if you remember, you know, at that time, we were talking about, okay, this is a team that commits a turn of turnovers. They had 18 turnovers in that game. This is a team that really had question marks inside. This is a team that doesn't defend very well. And we saw all of those things in this particular game. I don't know that uh, we'll see that again, but we certainly haven't seen those issues crop up really over the last you know, six weeks. Yeah, and what I wanted to add about Kentucky is that I think it has a lot to do with Kobe White. And if you remember that game, he was not very good. He had a, uh, I think he had four turnovers. It was his second lowest offensive rating um, of the season. And what we've seen with Kobe as the season's going along, when he gets that second look or third look at a team, he kind of figures it out. So in December, he was still, you know, learning the machinations of a Roy Williams offense, learning what to do. The game hadn't really slowed down for him in spite of, you know, even though he had that 33 point game against Texas, he was still learning everything. They were still getting equipped to each other in the freelance offense. So they're a completely different team. Now, Kentucky probably is too. But I think, you know, the defense that Ashton Hagens played on Kobe the first game kind of surprised him. He wasn't used to that level of physicality. He wasn't used to the length of Hagens. And I think now having gone through the ACC, he'll be more equipped, more well-equipped should that matchup happen again in the Elite Eight. Sherelle, I'll stick with you here. This is one thing, and you know, I try not to listen to all the all the pundits. Um, I try to listen to what you guys say when we do these shows. But, you know, nobody seemed to give Carolina an opportunity to get to the Final Four, Sherelle. You know, I saw Houston there. I saw, you know, other teams – out there, but like Greg mentioned earlier, Carolina has lost two games in a month. One was to Virginia when Cam Johnson fouls out. I believe Carolina's up seven or five or seven at the time, or Cam Johnson gets hurt. And then the other is when Garrison Brooks fouls out and they just can't make just one more shot. I'm not sure how you don't say Carolina. I, I get the Duke thing, but I'm not sure how people don't say that Carolina's not – um, one of the one of the top two favorites, and, and Duke being that considered that because Zion's back, but Duke has more flaws than Carolina, I believe. The difference is that Duke has that transcendent player, and I think Florida State exposed Virginia in the ACC tournament. I think it goes back to the two games without Zion. Now I know Friday kind of changed people's some people's minds a little bit but i think there was uh, you know a good month of build-up where they said oh north carolina they beat duke without zion so if you take away and this is what some national pundits are doing if you take away those two wins which you can't take away wins but if you take them away then the only team they've beaten who's uh you know in the top 10 or, or that kind of thing is gonzaga and that was in december and so that's discounted a little bit so it's it goes north carolina hasn't beaten you know quote unquote a great team 
since December because the two wins without Zion don't, don't count. I think that's the mindset that people are using who are discounting UNC a little bit. And, you know, I, I think they do that at their own peril because, as you said, uh, North Carolina has all the ingredients that I think you need to win a national championship. You know, Kobe White, Cam Johnson, Luke May, um, they have a, a decent bench. You know, they play, he only, I think Rogan's only played really seven guys against Duke. Uh, but in the first couple of rounds, I think you'll see that expand a little bit. And, you know, they're talented and they're motivated. And I think they want to prove to people that, you know, beating Duke without Zion, you know, it counts and that they can, you know, make it to a Final Four. Ross, your thoughts? Uh, you know, let's dig into maybe how this is all going to play out. I've already said it never goes as planned, but let's let's sort of make some Final Four picks here. Looking at the <laughs> and uh, Put me I, on the spot I, here. I'm putting you on the spot, but I'll say this. Um, I've only done it once in like 25 years when it's ever been worth, a, worth the paper it was printed on, and that was in 93. So I'll let you go first on your – on your breakdown and who gets to Minneapolis. I'm a big chalk guy. I mean, it just seems like that's – if you're going to put money on stuff, that's the way to go. I'll go Duke. I think I watching Michigan control and beat UNC was super impressive. I know it was so long ago. But I think Michigan is the best team. Man, Gonzaga is good, though. I think Michigan is the better team in, in the West. I think it will be Gonzaga versus Michigan. I think Michigan will get out. Um it's just Gonzaga hasn't been tested, so it's so hard to kind of pick against them. Um, now, the South is interesting because Virginia has such a, you know, they, they, they have a slim margin of error. You know, if they're not hitting shots, you, you saw it against Florida State. Florida State kind of controlled that game, and I don't think Florida State is super special. Um, but, uh, man, I watched them a lot in Charlotte, and um, – was the Kyle guy and the other guard, Ty Drone. They are so good. They're veterans. And I think veteran guards are the key to winning in March. And they have, I think, two of the probably the best backcourt, I think, in, in the nation in terms of shooting and ball handling control. But Ty Drone really controls uh, the offense for that team. So I'll pick Virginia. And then, I mean, if I didn't pick UNC, I feel like I'd get ripped on the boards. Um, I think it will be Kentucky, North Carolina. Get ready for the Luke May storylines, the rematch, the shot, all that good stuff. Uh, we're here for it. So I'll go UNC. So UNC, Virginia Duke, three ACC teams in the in the final four with uh, Michigan. Nice. Sherelle, your thoughts? Um, that's a great question. You know, I think Duke uh, – will make the final four. I don't know if I think they're going to win the national championship just because, I mean, they have trouble shooting from beyond the arc. And I think there's going to be a team. I don't know who it is. They'll figure out, keep keep Zion in front of you and make them shoot. And I don't know if they can make enough threes when the teams leave them wide open to win a game against a really good team. So we'll see on that. But I do think they'll be in the final four from their region. The West, uh, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is difficult. I, I feel for Jay Billis and those guys because they have to have this stuff immediately um, and like feel confident about it. And I, I, feel, I don't feel confident about any of the things I'm about to say outside of North Carolina making final four. So I'll go ahead and say North Carolina makes it from the Midwest, Duke from the East. Um, I think Tennessee out of the South, I just, I have a great, I, I like the way they feel. And what I mean by that is um, th- their guys seem hungry and they, they definitely have a chip on their shoulder. And it, it's similar to, I think, what North Carolina has in that most of those guys weren't highly recruited. They weren't five stars. They weren't McDonald's All-Americans. And I think that has driven them through the season. And I think that's going to kind of drive them to the final four. So Tennessee, Duke, Carolina. And I think, you know, I'll go 
I'll go Nevada out of the West just to be a little different because they have experience. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of transfers. I think the way that season, their season ended last year with the um, great game from the Martin twins, they came back and lost and came back. Um, I, I think, you know, I think they have a, a good shot. And Michigan, I don't know. They just haven't been the same um, over the last couple of months. So I'll go Nevada, Duke, uh, Tennessee, and Carolina. You mentioned Nevada. It was funny how uh, Gumble said uh, – the Wolfpack of Nevada are the seventh seed in the West playing against um, whoever they have to go against Florida, I think. So interesting that you talk about their transfers. Yeah, that that would be a, an interesting Final Four run for that Wolfpack of Nevada. Greg, I'll let you wrap it, at least on these picks here. I'm wondering, are you going to go um, the usual or are you going to mix it up a little bit? <laughs> uh, that, that's a good question. I, I think – yeah, let's start with the East. Um, I do like Duke. I mean, clearly they have the best talent in the country. But, uh, man, you look at teams like Virginia Tech and Mississippi State can shoot lights out from three if they get going. Duke cannot shoot the three for anything. Um, and I just have a feeling that, you know, if a team is able to get hot from deep, Duke will not be able to match that. I don't know how, you know, how many times we've been able to say that in the past. Probably never. Um, so I really do think that Sweet 16 game, um, is a problem area for Duke. Um, and then I also think Michigan State's for real. I, I think they've played very well of late. Um, and so I've actually got Michigan State coming out of this bracket. Um, I, yeah, I just don't see Duke. I think when you're, you struggle that much from deep, you're going to get exposed in the NCAA tournament. And so I've got Michigan State uh, winning the East. Uh, you talk about the, the West. Uh, I love Gonzaga. I've liked them all year long. But they have a tough bracket. I mean, I think having to play Syracuse in the second round, that's tough. Uh, I, I really like what the Orange has, especially if Tyus Battle is back healthy. Um, I think Florida State is the kind of team that can give Gonzaga all kinds of fits just because of their athleticism and not just athleticism in their starting five. They go 10 deep. Um, I, I think that's a, a problem for Gonzaga. And then I agree, agree with uh, Sherelle. I mean, not only Nevada, I think Buffalo's got a good team. Um, I don't think Michigan is the same level as what they were early in the season. They, they peaked early. And I think Texas Tech's kind of been overlooked because they're in the uh, the Big 12. Um, having said all that, I still think Gonzaga is the team that comes out of, of that bracket. Uh, but they're going to have to work really hard to get there. Uh, Virginia, um, I think with Tennessee, Ross hit on it. Uh, you like teams that have veteran guys, especially veteran guards. Tennessee has that. I mean, they, they are, are so experienced. And that's one of the reasons they played so well early. Everybody talks about Williams. Um, but when you look at Bone and, and Schofield and some of those guys, they have played in a lot of big games. Um, and so I think if, if Virginia um, did not have what happened last year happen to them, I think Tennessee would be the easy pick here. Um, but I, I still think Tennessee advances, but I think that's really a toss-up between Virginia and Tennessee. Uh, but I think Tennessee does advance out of that, that bracket. And then in North Carolina's bracket, um, I really think Houston's a lot better team than, than people give them credit for. Uh, they can shoot lights out. Um, and I, I'm going to go with a, a sleeper pick and say that I think uh, Houston advances to the Final Four out of the Midwest. Interesting. I was uh, looking at Carolina, and I'm thinking Carolina and Houston in the Elite Eight. Um, I still think Carolina gets to the Final Four Looking in the south, I just don't see any teams in the top part of that bracket that can challenge Virginia. 
Um, but I think a team like Cincinnati might be better than people think because they worked Houston in their conference tournament. I'm not sold on Tennessee. You guys are going to have to do something to sell me on Tennessee, so I'll stick with Virginia there. Out west, I don't know how good Gonzaga is fully healthy and because I hadn't seen him enough. Um, so I'm going to go with a team like uh, Texas Tech making some noise or maybe even Buffalo. I'm not sure Gonzaga gets to the Elite Eight. I'm not sure if Syracuse takes them out or maybe Florida State. But, um, you know, I think Murray State advances to at least to the second round there. And then at the top, I said it on Twitter after the Duke-Carolina game. I just don't see how Duke doesn't get to the Final Four. If somebody goes nuts and shoots them out or bearish and uh, Barrett and Reddish don't shoot Duke out of it, I think Duke's in the Final Four. So what I say, I've got, I'm going to say Texas Tech, Duke, Virginia, and Carolina. Ross, real quick, some more little you know, minor things for this podcast. Matchups you'd like to see, and it doesn't necessarily have to be Carolina. It can be, but it doesn't have to be Carolina. Man, it really put me on the spot. Um <clears throat> let's see here let me go through this real quick yeah i think the nevada michigan what what, what shrell said was really interesting nevada has the the two twins who transferred from nc state and a really good coach that's intriguing um florida state gonzaga i think would be really cool in the sweet 16 florida state watching them in charlotte they're, they're very big they're very tall they they look they have the you know the all coming off the bus team at florida state so that should be a really good sweet 16 match if we get that um you know, Louisville, Michigan State in the in the second round is intriguing. Teams that we're familiar with. Um, Virginia Tech, Duke, I think in 2016, interesting as well. I think when you beat a team like Virginia Tech, you have the confidence going against them again. You, you've already seen them, and uh, so that could give Duke some trouble there. Uh, let's see, UNC. Uh, I mean, the UNC Kansas is going to have so many storylines. I'm a little sick of those because they've already – I think they've lost in the tournament the last three times. They faced them 13, 12, and – 2008 as we all remember but those were those are my picks right there those are my my top matchups to watch by ross martin <laughs> sherelle mcmillan i know you're a basketball junkie you like to watch as many games as possible who you want to see match up in this tournament oh i'll start with two teams that i don't want to see at all um i don't want to see the syracuse baylor game <laughs> because i mean that's going to be two zone teams and it's just it's just going to be plotting and it's just going to be i I just have no interest at all in in watching that game that's an interesting pick by the committee putting those two teams together because of the stylistics um that they have so um yeah so don't want to see syracuse uh in baylor i think uh you know recruiting guys so obviously recruiting storyline that could match up uh obviously carolina kansas if they played in kansas city would be a big deal but devon dotson is kansas's point guard and kobe white is north carolina's point guard and obviously both of those players are from North Carolina. And there's a universe where Kobe White doesn't commit to UNC just a few days after getting his offer. And Devon Dotson does commit to UNC because Devon Dotson actually was the first point guard UNC had offered in that class. So that would be a very interesting matchup. There were there were a few it's, words exchanged on, on Twitter and stuff after Kobe committed to UNC. I, I was going to say, no, no. Yeah, say were there some tweets there by Devon? <laughs> yeah, after, yeah. After I, Kobe committed and kind of took his spot. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they're friends off of it. I think it was just kind of shocked him because, uh, you know, there were rumors that he was getting close with Carolina and maybe that was something he wanted to do. So I think that would be a fascinating matchup. Two freshman point guards from North Carolina playing in the North Carolina-Kansas game in the Sweet 16. Greg, you can wrap this show. Of course, you've been listening to Inside Carolina Podcast sponsored by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. But, Greg, wrap it on some some interesting matchups. I, I'm already on record. I'm with you. I want to see Carolina Duke 4 to end it. I'd like to see Carolina and Kentucky. I'd like to see Carolina and Kansas just get them all out of the way in one NCAA tournament. But your thoughts on some, you know, intriguing stuff across the board. Amen, brother. I'm with you. I, I want North Carolina to play Kansas. I, I think, like Ross said, uh, Carolina is due. I think this is a weak uh, Kansas team. I and mean, we know Dedrick Lawson's a, a great player uh, and a legitimate, you know, All-American in the post that poses some problems. But I, I think even with this game being in Kansas city and maybe even because this game would be in Kansas city, I think it would be great for North Carolina to win this game. I just smack the Jayhawks around. I think that'd be good for Roy Williams psyche. Um, and I think that'd be great for this team to kind of get that uh, albatross off his, off his neck a little bit. Um, so I, I certainly want to see that game. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, bring it. I mean, if it's, it's going to be North Carolina Duke in the championship game, let's have it. Let's, let's get through that. Let's experience that. Let's enjoy it. Um, I'm all aboard that train. I think it'd be a, a fantastic thing to, to see. I think it'd be good for everybody. Uh, but I'll say this as well. Uh, I think this is correct. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But I think the last time all four number one seeds made it to the uh, Final Four was 08. Uh, that great year that everybody wants to forget because North Carolina uh, had their incident against Kansas. Uh, but I, I truly believe that the, uh, I, and I've said it on this podcast a number of times in, in recent weeks, I thought Virginia and Gonzaga are the two best teams in the country. With Zion back, I think Duke's up there. And the way that North Carolina has closed the season, uh, I think they are a legitimate number one seed. I think it would be great for college basketball to see the four best teams once again uh, in the Final Four. And I think you know, once you get to you repeating some ACC games, I know we saw it a couple years ago when North Carolina went through Notre Dame and Syracuse to get to the title game. Uh, I think that's, that's good for the league. That's good for recruiting. That's good for all things. So uh, I am rooting uh, hard for all top seeds. And I, I love Mark Few. I think he's a great coach. I think he's the kind of guy that needs to be coaching some of these top programs. And so I think that would be a fantastic weekend in Minneapolis if all four number one seeds got there. Terrell, I said I was almost um, done with this show, but I want to sneak one in here with you. What? Give me a player in your mind that makes really a big name for himself because I don't think Ja Morant, as good as he is, he doesn't get any time. That's why I'd like to see Murray State pull off that 5-12 upset. But – Looking across the uh, tournament, Sherelle, give me some guys that maybe you followed on the recruiting trail or kept up with that you'd like to see or expect to see do some big things in this NCAA tournament and sort of, you know, maybe kickstart a next level career. The first one that comes to mind is Amir Coffey. He's a forward from uh, Minnesota who actually plays for Minnesota. Big body. He can. He's kind of like the point forward type guy. Just a really good all around player. He had a, a few knee injuries in high school or else he would have been ranked a lot higher. Um, I think his 
junior, the towards the end of his junior year, he tore his ACL, which impacted his senior year, which is why he didn't make, you know, a lot of the McDonald's games and um, all those kinds of things. So he's he's the first one that comes to mind. And then I like Caleb Wesson from Ohio State. He's a traditional big guy. I mean, I guess he's not really off the radar if you kind of follow college basketball, but from a national perspective. Um, he's a really, a really good player. He was suspended. I think he missed the last three games of the season and came back really strong in the Big Ten tournament. So he comes to mind. And just off the top of my head, I think those are the two um, who, who really, uh, I, I think, can, can will their teams to at least one win in the tournament. Interesting there, Sherelle. Always giving me more reason to watch some of the games I might not normally watch. So I'm going to wrap this podcast here. We'll have plenty more as the week goes along. Ross, Greg, and Sherelle, always appreciate you joining me. JohnnyTShirt.com, of course, thanks for sponsoring us. March Madness is finally here. As Sherelle likes to talk about on these podcasts leading up for the seniors, that sense of finality for Carolina's Cam, Luke, and Kenny right around the corner. Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by johnnytshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.